in which case you're then either forced to form a coalition with the ANC, which is going to be painful for you down the line, trust me, um, or um, you're kind of leaving the ANC to a potential EFF coalition, right, which could also be disastrous for South Africa. So, um, so yeah, like I think any situation where the ANC reaches 45 and the opposition, and particularly the market-driven opposition, hasn't caused it, hasn't grown, and doesn't get closer to 45 itself, um, opens up a huge risk of an ANC-EFF coalition. Hello, my name is Donald, and welcome to the number one media company, Worldview. At Worldview, we explore everyone's perspectives on all things that can broaden our world view. Today, we have back with us Davi Schultz. Davi is, of course, Action SA spokesperson. Davi, welcome back to the show. Hi, Donald. Good to be on. Well, Dobby, uh, that was a joke, but what is your official position now currently, just for our listeners, viewers? So um, I'm obviously working in the private sector full time. Um, and uh, for the record, I actually worked for the DA for about four years between 2010 uh, and 2014. Uh, and since then, worked in the private sector um, and purely tweet in my personal capacity with my personal views um which uh, some people seem to uh, take seriously and others don't as uh, is their good uh, <laughs> their good right um and then the, the one thing that I, I should disclose i think which is obvious right is that um maybe for the last three elections um i have worked for news 24 sort of uh, for a kind of a week um on a freelance basis like the week of the election i do election analysis for them so i thought a quantitative election model to do um, election projections. Um, and then I do um, kind of work for them in an exclusive way for a week or so around the election. But I'm, I'm not employed by them. I don't have a long-term formal arrangement with them or uh, obviously not with any political party at this point. Davi, um, <laughs> that joke originated from Leon Schreiber. Do you know him? Because I, I think you probably saw his tweets and he was just a year older than I was to um, initiate me and Paul Ruiz. So do you know Leon Schreiber? I don't know Leon, no. Um, I've interacted with Leon on Twitter, but I actually don't know, uh, don't know Leon at all. Okay. So, Davi, there was two recently two polls um, released, both in Rapport and an Ipsos polling. What do you make of these two polls? Is, uh, I, I think you mentioned they are ob almost obsolete in terms of their significance, but okay, perhaps it's best that you explain them to our viewers. Yeah, look, um, obviously, all data points... Uh, gossiped or not are interesting, right? So I understand why the media covers it and it's, uh, it's all very interesting. Um, but kind of from a credible, detailed elections analysis perspective, I don't think either of those two polls have any value. Um, the one, the, the Ipsos one, I think is most, um, most obviously not of value um, just because of the, the kind of the way that they've done the, the poll and um, kind of, uh, you know, tallied up the data, right? So um, I think if you if you add up all of the political parties and their support in the Ipsos poll, it gets something like 65% or 70% or something. So like 30% of the people are not in the poll. There's no like support associated with 30% of the people on the poll. Why is that? Because a huge portion of the people are either not registered to vote, expressed an interest not to vote, um, or then didn't say who they would vote for or was still uncertain, right? And if you want to do polling well, what you need to do is you need to exclude the people who are not registered and you need to exclude the people who have expressly stated they will not vote um, because they're, they don't matter, right? So, um, and of course, for the, for the undecided, if you want to do polling very well, you preferably need to allocate them um, with a kind of a proper model that you build to kind of predict who you think they will vote for, even though they don't tell you who they want to vote for, um, based on past support, based on demographics, based on maybe the response to some other questions in the poll. Um, and the, the problem with the Ipsos poll is that it only goes up to 70% and it hasn't done that for 30% of the voters. So I think the finding was that the ANC got 42% of um, the vote uh, in that poll. But the problem is it's 42 out of 70, um, which is why the 
42 doesn't really make any sense because how much of the seven, the kind of rest of the 30 is going to the NC? And you know, the exact same kind of argument could be made for the, the DA percentage in the poll. I think the poll is the DA at 11%, which is an absurdly low number. I think I don't think anybody credibly believes the DA is at 11%. Um, because it's 11 in this poll out of 70, and the question is where the, the other city will go. So, which is why I just don't think it's a useful, it's not a particularly useful poll, um, and doesn't really tell us much about party political support um, for that reason. And then the second one, the report is, um, look, the numbers are wildly optimistic for opposition parties and pessimistic for the ANC, right? It's not totally out of, like, rational bounds. However, from a kind of credible analytical perspective, there actually is no report poll because, you know, there is no source. Like, the, I think the, the article said a credible source, which, and like it's two weeks later and no one has said, like, who did the poll, who paid for it, who executed it, where was it done, is it urban, is it rural, is it everywhere, is it online, is it on phone, what's the sample size, et cetera, et cetera. So, Look, we don't know anything about that poll, right? Like, I'm sure at some point it will surface. I would love to discuss it in detail once the numbers come out or the sourcing come and sourcing methodology comes out properly. Um, but so for me, the report poll is, I can also do a poll of my neighbors. <laughs> um, it doesn't mean it's credible. So we don't know anything about the report poll. Uh, Davi, it, it might be interesting, I don't know, you can t you've you've worked for the DA like you've said, but do you think there's a possibility that they released or they leaked this internal poll because they know the Ipsos poll would come out shortly, and Ipsos polls in general are not favorable towards the DA, so they leaked this poll to get some credible news coverage in conjunction with the Ipsos poll, would, which would come out soon. That's very possible. Look, I mean, you can speculate about 50 different things about what's going on here. I honestly, I don't know. Um, yes, that, that's one of my uh, pet theories is exactly that. Um, but again, you know, <laughs> I can, we can gossip about it, but I have no factual basis to know whether it's their polling or not. Um, there was, to be honest, I would be slightly doubtful that it's DA internal polling, or at least a fully honest, view of internal DA polling, um, just because the numbers are so wildly out of, I think, the rational range, right? Like, 38% for the ANC would just imply something completely extraordinary. Um, and look, I mean, maybe the, the, the hugest swing ever has happened in the last six months that we don't know about, um, but and, and that you know, kind of hasn't showed up anywhere else um but but da internal polling in my experience is actually excellent um they probably have the best internal polling or the best polling capability um in south africa um and so i would be surprised if, if that is their their internal polling to be perfectly honest to me it seems like a, a kind of outlier poll most likely but I, again we're just speculating right like i would love to see the, the source the methodology etc yeah one of the reasons why i said it is the consistency in which Everyone, uh, noteworthy from the D8, retweeted that report uh, poll. It's, it's sort of like there was a directive, okay, the moment this comes out, you have to uh, tweet it. I mean, Leon Schreiber, Leon Zeller, everyone of note quickly retweeted that. Uh, perhaps it's, yeah, perhaps I'm being a bit paranoid, but the, 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 the quickness and the response, yeah. Look, my view is that political parties um, will always amplify news that is good for them, right? So I think it was totally rational for them to do that. Um, it's a poll that's good for the DA. So um, if I was still working for the DA and still in the DA's comms operation, I would have done exactly the same thing. So I think it's like totally, <laughs> totally rational. And I'm not too surprised by that. I don't think that necessarily means that it was planned or coordinated, if you ask me. Davi, what do you think of clearly Action Essays and the Democratic Alliance's war at the moment? What do you think of the significance? Why are they fighting each other on, almost on a daily basis? Yeah, look, I think this is a nuanced discussion. I think there's many points to be had, right? So the one point is, what is the genesis? Like, why is this taking place? Um, I think, and then I guess the second point is, what does it mean for the future, right? Particularly for 2024. So why it's taking place, look, um, uh, my view is uh, absolutely that the, this is, these are two parties um, that certainly 
for the DA, um, action SA is going after a number of the voters that have historically voted for it. Like there's no doubt about it in, in Gauteng in last year's election and even in Gezeren, there are some DA voters who switched over to action SA and it was actually a significant number in Johannesburg. Um, there's been there's been one um, by-election since last year where both contested and competed um, in, in kind of the suburban electorate. That was that uh, election in, I can't remember the ward number, but in Chwane, um, in a kind of quite conservative Afrikaans community. Uh, the DA lost some support, but not a lot. Action SA gained quite a lot of support in the by-election. Um, so there's clearly contestation and a risk for the DA and some of its, that some of its voters could go over to Action SA. So for me, it's entirely rational that the DA would try to stop that, right? Um, and that Action SA is trying to grow into the DA's electorate. I think Action SA's kind of target markets is, of course, not just the DA electorate. So it's kind of fighting a little bit of a multi-front war, right? It's fighting with the DA and the suburban electorate. It's fighting with the ANC and the EFF and the township and the rural electorate. Um, but I think this this part of the fight will continue. Um, look, many people, many people uh, have the view that there's sort of deep personal animosities involved, um, given that many of the people in the actually say are former DA people. I, I personally don't actually subscribe to that view. I think I think some of the fights get as colorful as they do perhaps because of that reason, but actually fundamentally what's being driven is that two parties is, is competing for the same election, right? Um, and the one thing I, I do think which is true is probably it's a real contestation. I, I don't think it's. I don't think that actually says one support um, that it's already gained probably in that community is insignificant, and certainly its potential is not insignificant. So that's why the DA is taking it so seriously and spending so much time and energy on it, and probably eventually before twenty twenty four money on it. Um, there's one other element of this which is a little bit more controversial, but happy to share the inside scoop with you, Donald. Um, which is that I think a, a big part of this is about money is about the donor community. Um, and I think I think that Action SA, from what I hear, right, and, and also not based on facts, but kind of the, the backroom gossip in political circles, is that a large amount of the typical donor community that has stood with the DA for many years has gone over to Action SA in a big way. Yeah, um, uh, no, I think it's 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 more broadly, and I'm not going to mention specific names. Um, I, I think I think a, a big part of the of the donor community has gone over to Action SA in a big way, and and I think that's potentially causing real concerns for the DA. So my my view is that probably there's something in the DA motivation about trying to discredit Action SA as quickly as possible to prevent that. Um, and look, then the, the, the final thing. Um, about what it means for the future is, um, I know I will get called the Action SA spokesperson again for saying this, um, but I, I know I read Michael Beaumont's op-ed in the Sunday Times um, this, this weekend, um, and I actually really do objectively agree with it, um, in that I think that coalition parties can and should hold each other to account, um, uh, and that's just the normal way politics works, um, the fact that these two parties are contesting, are fighting, yes, are kind of competing for the same votes, um, but ultimately in coalitions together, doesn't mean that we can't have a constructive coalition outcome in 2024, if the numbers stack up in the right way for that to happen, right? Um, which frankly is unlikely. We can discuss that in a moment. Um, but but so, so this idea that the two parties are at each other's throats is a disaster for any potential coalition set up in 2024 or the existing coalitions. I don't, I don't agree with that. I think, um, you know, the engagement is robust, yes, but my sense is that all of the parties are still committed to the coalition agreements. I mean, the one thing that everyone can get around is that they want to get the NC out, right? Um, and I, so my expectation is that it's, it's um, you know, it, it, it will be robust, but I think still focused towards a coalition outcome in 2024 if the numbers stack up in the right way. Um, yeah, so look, I, I think this this idea that they can't be tough contestation is, um, is, is nonsensical. And I mean, maybe one more comment to say is, can you imagine if it was, the Tron example is classic, if it was just a majority ANC government that was, firstly, it wouldn't have been thinking about bringing in uh, independent power producers, but let's say it was, it would have been a multi-billion rand boondoggle without 
any consequences without any oversight or questions being asked. I think it's great that there are questions being asked. Um, so, you know, and and I, by the way, that issue I've not studied in any detail, so I have no idea whether I actually say it's right or not. I really don't. Um, but the fact that questions are being asked, I think, is is constructive, and it will continue to be the case in, I suspect, these coalitions that are running now, and if there are coalitions in 2024 as well. Yeah, I think South Africans are generally not used to this entire idea of coalitions. That's why they're reacting so aggressively. I mean, like a person and like friends, Dr. friends kind of holding each other to account. Right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I think like, like Dr. Franz Coroni on our show has said, for 400 years, we've almost been governed by this idea of a one party. I mean, either it was the Dutch or the English or the National Party or the ANC. Now, all of a sudden, we have to have coalitions and it's it's unique to South Africa. But um, Darby, um, uh, more cynical people would say uh, the war against between Action SA and the Democratic Alliance is potentially actually benefiting both of them because it's it's creating a media landscape in which yes. it's a choice between either of the two. It's no longer a choice between the DA and the ANC or Action SA and the ANC. It's now a choice between the DA and Action SA. The sort of that it's it's being framed this way, and the ANC is losing its limelight, its relevance. Do you think there's a potential uh, argument to be made there? That's why they're fighting, because uh, the ANC is becoming then you're basically isolating the ANC in that sense. Not really. To be perfectly honest, I, I don't buy that argument. I think you you only buy that argument if you think that this contestation is framed set up for and relevant for ANC voters, right? I don't think it is. I don't think this discussion between the ANC and the DA is relevant, or actually SA and the DA is relevant for ANC voters. Um, I think it's, uh, there's, a, there's a separate contestation taking place for ANC voters, but for me, that's not this discussion. I think for me, this discussion is kind of purely about former DA voters and, and DA trying to consolidate it as much as possible, but and actually SA trying to grow into it. Um, uh, I, I do think the one thing which is interesting is because you've, you've raised an interesting question, right? Like who benefits um, from this? Um, because I think the DA's strategic choice clearly is like to go after these guys, right? Um, which is probably the right thing because I think the threat exists whether they go after them or not. But what is really interesting to me is the extent to which the DA is willing to and actively feeding coverage of action essay. Um, because this is this is elevating action SA, right? Every time there's there's a debate which has like major Sunday newspapers covering both sides, and then there's an op-ed, and then there's another op-ed, and then there's a letter to the editor, mm. and it just fuels coverage of action SA, which is a much smaller, much newer party that frankly still has very low name recognition, right? Like even after the last election, yep. the single biggest thing that's holding back. Just quickly on that point, a recent interview with Ellen Zillidon on Biz News, somehow she brought up Action SA also in that interview. It's just (laughs) interesting to me. Yeah, it's like like you said, that Action SA constantly is being brought up. But yeah. It's it's feeding their name recognition, right? Um, So look, I think the DA probably has made the calculation that yes, it will feed their name recognition. Yes, it will drive uh, up the, the Action SA awareness amongst voters, which is one of the single biggest things holding back actually say is that not a lot of voters know a lot about them. Um, but they probably also made the, the calculation that um, that kind of these guys are going to be a factor anyway and they need to they need to go for them, uh, which I think is which I think is what, what's happening. And then of course there's my pet theory about the donors, right? Um, I think that that for me is potentially the, the kind of two or three reasons why they could be doing it. Sorry, the, the theory about the donors. Um, the oh, the donors. Oh, yeah, okay. The donors. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And um, do you think there's any, um, for example, do you think there's a person like Omar Mashaba? He's deliberately. He's not. I mean, a lot of people say he's just emotional or angry person. But do you think there's any chance that he's deliberately attacking the DA just for news coverage? That is not as genuine in his anger or his uh, emotion as he, as you might think. He's just attacking the DA because he knows that will give him the news coverage that will elevate Action SA like he wants it to be elevated. Look, I think that's absolutely the case for all parties involved here, right? Like, I'm pretty sure both parties are making calculated efforts to try to get coverage through confrontation. 
Um, I think it will be interesting to observe over time, though, about who is picking more of the fights. Um, my, my sense is that kind of it started out kind of roughly equally. Um, then it felt to me like for a long time the DA was picking most of the fights, actually, um, up until the Strani thing. <laughs> so now I'm a bit more uncertain about it. So we'll see. Um, but but it, it felt to me maybe for the last kind of three to four months or so that the DA had made a concerted choice to go after action, actually say, um, which is probably the right thing, but risky, right? As I said, from a, from a name recognition perspective. Um, but, but yeah, we'll, we'll have to see, wait and see how, how it plays out. And it'd be very interesting to see, um, as I said, who, who initiates the fights um, more, more often. Yeah, it's interesting. I I think this competition is very healthy because I d definitely don't think. Right. I mean, they're, they're the DA is human beings, and I mean they're definitely not as clean as people might think they are. Um, especially up in two years of running this platform, you you realize all of these facts. Okay, but uh, yeah, Darby, um, I want to go over to your tweets, and you can perhaps correct me if I'm wrong. But recently, you tweeted, "How is it possible that so many people still vote for the ANC?" because the ANC is the only party with a credible redistributive economic policy platform to create a fairer society. What did you mean with that tweet? And I, I, studied, I studied law and one word that's very interesting to me, and I think you made a mistake with this word, you said credible redistributive policy. Perhaps you can explain better what you meant with that tweet. Did I, did I include the word perceived? Credible, because I think the word perceived is in there. At least it was intended to be. Um, um, I can quickly build. Anyway, no, it's okay. Uh, so, so look, um, if I excluded the word, then it was definitely an omission. But it was certainly my intention to say that I think many voters perceive the ANC. Then perceive is an, the important word for me in that sentence. Um, to have a credible um, kind of redistributive economic policy platform, right, and to be the only party that has it. Um, so <clears throat> let's review, right? So in the focus grouping and the polling that I've seen, a lot of people actually, and, and, and also I think when you talk about the voters that care about the redistributive economic policy platform, right? That, those are poor voters, which by definition in South Africa is overwhelmingly black voters, right? Um, which is the market that's traditionally voted ANC and, and those are the voters that basically the opposition needs to swing some portion of to have any chance of a coalition discussion in 2024, right? Um, so if you kind of go through the research and see how they perceive um, the various parties, right, the, the, the EFF actually scores very high on having a redistributive economic policy platform. They're going to do lots of stuff that takes wealth and money from rich people, let's be honest, rich white people, um, and, and give it to uh, people who have historically been dispossessed, right? That's the EFF economic policy platform. But actually, it's not considered credible. There's a lot of those voters that say, I like the sound of this, but I think if you do it, it's going to be chaos. And I don't think you guys can do it because you like to throw chairs around and start fights in parliament. You guys can't implement something complex that actually is going to help the country. So I like the sound of what you guys are talking about, but it's not credible. I don't believe it can work. I don't take it seriously. So they, in my view, are not perceived by the rump of the Black electorate in South Africa to have a credible redistributive economic policy platform. Okay. Which I'll go through the DA very quickly, but I think it should be very clear. Um, the, the DA is perceived to not have a clear alternative to BEE, um, not have a clear alternative to um, create a more equal and fair society. Um, I mean, we can talk about that at length, but my view is that the kind of policy proposal that the party has put on the table, which is a sort of um, kind of quasi uh, BE program, but then instead of race, you have um, the the kind of UN Sustainable Development Goals, and then it doesn't give the detail out how at all the companies would do that. Just is not a credible proposal in any way, from my perspective. Um, and if they wanted it to be credible, it would have to be thought out like way, 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 way more. So the DA hasn't put on the table a kind of credible alternative that you can take to a voter and say, this is tangibly, practically what the DA is going to do um, to replace the ANC's redistributive economic policy platform. Um, and look, a lot of these voters say something like, 
We perceive the ANC to be corrupt. We perceive the ANC to be ineffective, not to be able to implement well, to frankly be disastrous in many ways. But at least the ANC has a set of policies which, yes, only benefits a small portion of society, but there's some small chance that I may benefit, or I know someone who has benefited. Um, or actually the, policy, the, the kind of policies have become more broad-based in recent years or whatever. Um, <clears throat> so I think for many voters, there's this instinctive sense that um, even though the ANC is corrupt and ineffective, at least they roughly have the interests of people like me at heart, right? And the three sets of policies that roughly fall into that are BE, affirmative action, and the preferential procurement program, and maybe land reform, right? Um, so, and, and all of the major opposition parties have some variation on their policy platform of we will scrap BE, affirmative action, and preferential procurement, right? So then the question is, to the black voter, what is the, what is the replacement to those three things? Because I think if you, if you don't have a concrete, credible answer to what the replacement is to those three things, and your answer is just like, we will invest in education, we will create economic growth and create jobs over the next five to 10 years, um, that creates more opportunity for people, I don't think it cuts it. Because the ANC is doing stuff that you, some people, and hopefully you too, will feel sometime soon. Um, and of course, coupled with that, there's just distrust from the DA perspective of being a party that's perceived as largely white, with a white leader, with lots of white MPs in parliament, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so um, that's what I meant by it, is having a credible response, an alternative to be affirmative action, prefer preferential procurement, and the land reform set of policies that the NC has. <clears throat> yeah, well, I just searched... Your Twitter account, I mean, to your, to your credit, I mean, Twitter has a, a limit on characters and I can completely understand why you uh, omit it, perceive. Okay, but that, that's obviously you corrected that. You you said what you meant by that. Um, yes. But Davi, the problem is, 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 I mean, the DA, they, oh, okay, so you're mentioning affirmative action and BE. Do you think the average black person cares about this. I mean, we've spoken to people like Ibrahim Rasul, the former premier of the Western Cape for the ANC. And, he, and I mean, a lot of ANC people or people connected to the ANC political analysts, they say the big thing is um, for the past, after apartheid has ended, it's the um, it's electricity, it's things like that, those basic grants. Those are the things that have kept people voting for the ANC. Not really I don't know, if, if, perhaps I'm being stupid, but affirmative action and BE doesn't really account into this. And I mean, as so far, as, sure. as, far sure. as I understand it, DA does not want to end that. They don't want to end any um, basic grants or, I don't know, the, the basic provisions of electricity to townships. So those things that the, 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 the ANC, the typical ANC voter is scared of losing, the DA is not going to end that, correct me if I'm wrong. No. By the way, I completely agree on, uh, on the social grant topic. I, I do think that this may be one of the most salient elements of this is the um, kind of the fact that grants um, are perceived as uh, kind of, you know, the ANC um, providing those um, and voters um, credit the ANC for it. And I think give a lot of credit to the ANC for it and support the ANC for it. Um, so that that is critical. And by the way, just sorry, random side note, this topic of the basic income grant will also be crucial for 2024. I think this is one of the reasons why the ANC is so keen on it. Um, in any event, so I, I buy that. Um, and, you know, your argument is sound. I would actually be, be very keen to see detailed polling on that done in the right way. Um, but there's also an, an associated and perhaps even more compelling problem, um, which is not the detail of the policy and understanding the 25-point plan that sits under how to help people like me, but the general perception and brand association that your party wants to help people like me. Um, and I think it, of course, makes it much uh, easier, much more credible um, to convince more people that you want to help them if you actually have a credible plan that wants to help them. Um, so, uh, in that, it drives media coverage, 
it drives how uh, opinion formers think about you. It drives what happens in social media. Um, and probably for some portion of the electorate, having a detailed policy plan does actually drive how they vote. Uh, but you're right. The single most important thing is this general perception around whether you are a party, um, in my view, for uh, kind of empowerment and creating a fairer society. Um, and I just think having a set of policies that credibly allows that to happen is going to help you to create that perception. The DA's problems on this front are not just about uh, perception brand related issues, but I think content which drives that. Uh, yeah, but Davi, don't you think there's a difference between what a person would perceive in a place like Santon or a person working for News 24 and a person working in, I'm not specifically ref referencing you, I'm, I know people on News 24 are very vocal against the DA, and a person in, for example, the townships, I mean, if we're honest with each other, a person in the townships, they don't have access to internet or generally, I mean, there's, there's they go for days without electricity. So don't, they don't even perhaps know what the DA stance is on everything or anything because they don't have access to basic material. So isn't that coverage basically driven by a certain media conglomerate and not really people on the ground, perhaps in the townships? For example, I've spoken to many people in the townships and the problem they see is not the policies of the DA, it's that the DA or the people like the Freights from Plus, they're not in the townships. They never go to the townships. People like the DA, the Freights from Plus, the, DA, uh, the ACDP, they don't bother to go into the townships to sell their message. That's what they see as the problem. I mean, look, so firstly, I completely agree. Different Different strata of voters want different things, right? And react differently to different things. Um, uh, I mean, I would be very happy to see the research about like, like I mean, one, it's, it's a fascinating question, right? Like if, if you go to, I mean, maybe Soweto is too urban, right? It's too close to Joburg. But if you go to uh, the townships around Mangung uh, or the townships, pick anywhere in the country, right? And you do deep research about why those voters consistently vote ANC and not DA, right? I would love to see the research. The little bit of research that I've seen is that the perception has been embedded to an extraordinary extent that the DA is predominantly white, that the DA is um, kind of not wanting to implement policies to do the effect, undo the effects of apartheid. The DA doesn't care for black people. Um, and yes, it's going to take away things like social grants, um, uh, which is obviously not true and an unfair perception. Um, and basically doesn't have a plan to help people like me, right? Um, so that, that's, that is what I've seen in the research. So for me, the critical thing is, you know, how do you then overcome that to bring about electoral change? Because, because electoral change in South Africa and change in South Africa requires a significant chunk of those voters to vote for someone else. And, you know, I, like I've been very um, open and transparent about my views on politics, right? I think you opened the um, podcast with the joke about the, me, me being the spokesperson for Action SA. I mean, I've been very transparent in saying why I'm concerned about the DA, right? Because their brand and their ability to do what we are talking about now is in my view fundamentally broken because of the actions and amplified by the actions they've taken for the last three to four years. Um, and I'm very deeply concerned about the DA's ability to ever get there given the course that the party is on now. Um, and given the, the nature or the, the need for urgent um, change in South Africa, um, that's why um, you know I think lots of voters are thinking about some Grezel Zibi's new party, um, thinking about Action SA, uh, thinking about whatever other options there might be. Because the DA is demographically stuck uh, based on everything we've seen until now. Uh, very open to be proven wrong by actual electoral data. Um, nothing in any actual election for the last four years has suggested to me that there's any hope for the DA to get there anytime soon.
Yeah, Davi, I would this, agree. This poll and the report was by far the best uh, and only piece yeah. of data that even suggests that by any stretch of the imagination. Like 27% implies quite a lot of black voters that would be truly fantastic and amazing from the DA perspective. I'd love to see the actual poll and methodology. Yeah, no, yeah. But um, yeah, Davi, I would definitely agree with you. I, even though I'm a, I consider myself a libertarian classical liberal, I don't understand why the second largest party advocates for it. But you can clearly see that most South Africans don't even understand really what it is. But um, aren't we perhaps a bit unfair towards the DA? For example, why can't Julius Malema and the EFF step up? Why can't Kenneth Mashu and the ACDP step up? Why can't, why can't either of these opposition parties go to the center or really do an effort to capture these voters that the DA has struggled to capture? Why, why is it only the DA's sole responsibility to save South Africa to, for some people sometimes? Well, <clears throat> firstly, I think it's increasingly becoming not their sole responsibility. Um, but secondly, um, I think at the center of South African politics, there's probably quite a lot of people that believe in generally market-driven economics, not uniformly, but generally market-driven economics, right? With an appropriate social safety net, right? Um, there's probably, there's actually probably a lot of people, including in, within the DA electorate, that believe um, in some form of sensible redistributive economic policies in the most unequal country in the world, right? Um, there's probably a lot of people that believe in uh, the rule of law, uh, in kind of all of the basic sensible liberal democratic principles that I think um, a lot of the, certainly the DA electorate, but I actually think a lot of people outside of the DA can agree with. Um, and the ANC has systematically failed to deliver for South Africa um, and, and deliver on many of those principles, right? And so I think a lot of those people want an alternative and want a serious party to get it done, right? And the DAS for the longest time been that thing. It's been, it's been for the longest time the alternative that's growing in that direction. Um, and you know, any serious tallying of political power, influence, resources, everything in South Africa, suggests for a very long time we had a two-party system, basically, with a lot of small parties, yes, that get their tail, but we've basically had a DA-ANC choice in South African politics ever since, what, 1999 to, call it 2014, right? That was 15 straight years, which is fundamentally basically like a DA, um, okay, it was a bit complicated at the beginning for the DA, but like a DA-ANC choice. Um, <clears throat> in 2014, on the ANC side of the equation, a new choice emerged in EFF, which was basically going to ANC voters and saying, hey, do you want something more radical, which a slice of the ANC electorate is interested in? Um, and that's now the third choice in South African politics, right, was, was, was the EFF. But now the thing is that the, this discussion about all of the values that I spoke about, like market-driven, law and order, kind of all of the sensible things, which I'm sure you and I both agree with, the DA can't get there electorally. It's like, it's because of the actions it's taken, it cannot get there electorally and it's stuck. And look, again, I'm not a pollster, so I don't have quantitative evidence. I just, based on all the election results we've seen, I have a very strong sense it can't get there. I'd be very happy to be proven wrong, but strong sense that the DA can't get there. So then obviously it's gonna be held to a totally different standard than the ACDP and whoever else are the small parties in South African politics. Um, <clears throat> and of course, people who are interested in those values are gonna be starting to ask difficult questions about how to actually get it implemented if the DA can't get their electorate, right? Um, so no, I, I don't think it's a, it's a sensible kind of thing to say, oh, why is the DA being held to the stuff standard? It, you know, um, but the ACDP is not, and the Freedom Front Plus is not, no, because those parties never intended and never kind of were in serious contention to be the serious party of the rational center, right? Um, the, 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 and for me, the, the larger, longer mission in South African politics, and I've stated this clearly and transparently on Twitter, has always been to bring together the rational center 
the rump of which actually has historically voted DA, but a significant portion, maybe almost equal in size, if not more, has voted ANC, right? So there are voters that share DA values to a large extent, to a large extent, not fully, but that sit in the ANC who can't go to the DA for basically various brand toxicity problems, if you ask me, is my diagnosis. And then, and then a couple of core central political top kind of content issues, um, policy issues, as we've discussed. Yep, yeah, but Davi, the, the, the point of sort of I'm making is that um, I agree with you that the position that DA currently has, it's, you know, it's very difficult to get um, even close to the majority of South African support. But why can't, okay, you're, you're basically what you're saying is, if I understand you correctly, that the DA has to move towards the center. But why can't a Julius Malema move towards the center? Why can't Kenneth Mashu move towards the center if they are perceived as too right-wing or too left-wing? Why can't they try to get the majority of South Africans vote? Well, I mean, because they're not centrist political parties, right? Yeah, but like, I think the, like what you said, the DA is also not at this moment. Uh, yeah, that the potential ones. Um, but yeah, I, I agree that the DA is not. Um, and it's not trying, right? Um, that, that I would agree with, yeah. And it, as I said, it's, it's also not particularly trying from my perspective. Um, okay, so Darby, you, you've uh, mentioned many times many black leaders are leaving the Democratic Alliance. And obviously, that's the last thing you need with the Democratic Alliance trying to gain most of those, those supporters with black leaders leaving your party. Um, do you think the DA is the, the party that has the highest loss in terms of black leaders? For example, I know, for example, the EFF has an enormous turnover rate in Parliament, for example. And yeah, I, 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 I didn't attend this interview to be a defense of the DA. I, I've never, I've, I don't think I've ever actually voted for the DA, but I've, I think perhaps, um, yeah, I don't think that the EFF has lost an incredible amount of political leaders within parliament, black leaders. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean, this like game that the DA likes to play about like who's lost the most leaders um tm um like i don't think it's a particularly rational helpful game right so and the reason why i say that is because i i mean i haven't heard of i mean who are the people that the eff has lost right like if floyd shivambu left or julius left or who's that people's bad guy anyway if he left um, um, and Lawsy, Dr. And Lawsy. Yes, yes. So there's like maybe five to ten or fifteen recognizable EFF names. I don't perhaps know why I knew that. Left, but anyway, perhaps, sorry. Yes. Perhaps some of them have left. I've never heard of them, right? Um, I'm sure the NC has lost an absolute deluge of people in the last like five to ten years. If you take the same timeline that I criticized the DA for and say which ANC people have left, it would be an absolute deluge of people, right? Um, but the point is not how many people. It's not the 400 people list, etc. It is a little bit to do with the centrality of those people to your brand um, and the centrality of those people to yeah, your brand and also just the amount of coverage and name recognition that they have, right? So um, Lindiwe Mazibuko was the um, parliamentary leader for the DA um, for many years and was, and also the quality of the people, right? And she was just exceptional in my view. Um, and that is, was in my view, a huge loss for the DA, right? Musi Maimani was the leader of the party um, and lost, left, okay? <laughs> Herman Mashaba was the mayor of Johannesburg. Patricia Delaw was the mayor of Cape Town. Um, the list goes on and on, right? I, re I recognize some of the people that I've listed previously are not like the biggest name brands, but I know Makashule Gala personally. I think he's a really, really smart guy. Um, and I think may not be from a name recognition perspective, but actually a big loss for the party from the perspective of organizing um, on the ground in Gauteng. Um, so I think trying to equivocate between like this party has lost this many people and that many people is kind of irrelevant. I, and I agree, I, I also agree with Helen's argument, uh, because I, I think at some point she was making an argument to say that look, all parties 
lose people and people come and go. I think that's definitely right. And um, you know, the the you know when people disagree with you or are destructive to the party or if you know they are you know we're opportunistic or whatever. Um, yeah, it's best that they go in politics. But the problem is if incredibly high profile people who are on your posters, who are central to your brand DNA have left, that is a political problem. And it's contributing to the DA's kind of perceived political problems at this point in time, if you ask me. That's interesting. So basically what you're saying, if I understand it correctly, is that it's not the number but the quality and the leadership role these people play. So for example, in the DA, Musi Maimani was the leader of the Democratic Alliance, whereas perhaps the EFF or the ANC lost more people, but it was never like a leader, like Tabo Mbeki leaving the organization. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, uh, Leon was quite annoyed at me on Twitter for, um, for not speaking out about Action SA's issues in KZN, right? And a bunch of people in, in KZN leaving. Um, yeah, I'm sure that the actions have problems in the KZN structure. I've just, me, you, and no one else have ever heard of those people, though. Um, so th there's definitely a difference between a national leader leaving and an MP or a councillor that no one has ever heard of. Yeah, and I mean, if... <laughs> We all know the ANC's dirty tactics, so it might have been some. Yes. I mean, it's it's. I mean, some people consider this conspiracy theories, but it's entirely possible that was some sort of infiltration. But um, David, part seven of your tweets, you 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 mentioned quite a. Uh, it was a few tweets that you listed, and in part seven of your tweet, you mentioned something very interesting. I found very interesting where you say that the DA's plan to form a coalition, as the the coalition with the ANC as a risk of having um, South Africa ending up with an EFF-ANC coalition. Can you perhaps explain that to our audience? Yes. So, look, I, I think the, the track we're on now, right, um, implies a couple of potential scenarios for 2024. And, again, best guesses, we need a lot more data. But if I look at the election from last year, if I look at the polling, if I look at the... Um, the, the little bit of by-election data we've had, to me, it, it looks like there's sort of a range of potential outcomes for the ANC from the mid-40s to the low-50s even, right? So the one scenario for South Africa is that we have a, an ANC on 51 or 52% of the vote and things go on as it is, right? Um, then there's a scenario where the ANC gets 48 to 49% of the vote probably under which circumstances they form uh, a coalition government with, you know, kind of some of the smaller parties, the PA or, you know, whoever they can cajole. Um, then there's another scenario where the ANC decides to go it alone with like 47, 49% of the vote, like in a minority government, right? Um, but the, the, the more interesting scenarios start emerging when one imagines an ANC at like, let's just say on the outside kind of band of my current expectations, not scientific subject to change, 45% um, or 44%, right? Which is lower than I'm expecting, but let's just set it up. So now we've got an ANC of 45%, they can't get together um, the small parties to get them over the line, right? Um, which then means either an ANC-DA coalition, right? Um, which is a distinct possibility by the sounds of things, um, uh, an ANC-EFF coalition, right? Um, theoretically, an ANC-IP or an ANC-Action SA coalition, right? Those are all theoretical possibilities. Although, I, I mean, the Action SA has been so ridiculously, like, um, almost treating themselves in the foot from a negotiation perspective, but, like, so completely anti, it's difficult to imagine. Uh, uh, Dami, um, to but, be fair, uh, Mama Shaba has said within a thousand years. So, a thousand years. <laughs> okay. <from now. laughs> okay, maybe in a thousand years, yes. Okay. Um, I don't know about, I honestly don't know what IP's view is on this, but, but anyway, so basically once you reach the 45% position, then all bets are off. And, you know, if your strategy is to go for uh, uh, a kind of situation where, where you're a 20% party or a 22% party trying to cobble together a coalition, then there's the chance that may fail, right? Um, in which case you're, and I'm speaking from the DA's perspective, in which case you're then either forced to form a coalition with the ANC, which is going to be painful for you down the line, trust me, um, or 
um, you're kind of leaving the ANC to a potential EFF coalition, right? Which could also be disastrous for South Africa. So, um, so yeah, like I think any situation where the ANC reaches 45 and the opposition, and particularly the market-driven opposition, hasn't caused it, hasn't grown, and doesn't get closer to 45 itself, um, opens up a huge risk of an ANC EFF coalition, right? Um, because if, uh, and you start doing the math, right? So if it really is, let's say this poll is right, this uh, report poll is exactly right on the number, right? Um, what, what were the numbers? It was 27 DA, six Action SA, that got you to 33, six for the IFP, 39. Probably between the ACDP, the Freedom Front Plus, and a couple of other rational opposition parties, it gets you to like 44, 45. That's still not 50. So, by the way, even in the most like optimistic view that I've seen ever, the, the opposition also doesn't get to 50 without the EFF, by the way. So probably even in that opposition scenario, there's a real discussion to be had about whether, whether the opposition would be open to a soft power arrangement like they have in Johannesburg now with the EFF, where there's a vote-by-vote -vote basis or some sort of uh, high-level agreement on certain things they can agree with the EFF or not. Because there's no other way to fit at this point, unless something dramatically changes. Um, so of course it requires them to uh, set certain red lines in place. Uh, obviously, you can't have a blanket agreement with the EFF regarding land, regarding expropriation without compensation, regarding nationalization of the Reserve Bank and all of the other kind of crazy stuff. Um, but it, 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 there's no other way, quantitatively, if you want the ANC out of government in 2024, based on current projections, to have some sort of rational cooperation agreement. Um, other than going into the ANC coalition yourself or allowing the ANC to form a coalition with the EFF. Yeah, and, be, it, add, sure. this whole discussion is as painful as it is because it's difficult for the DA to grow into the NC electorate. This whole discussion could have been a much better discussion if the right strategic choices were taken five years ago or four years ago. And why do you yeah. think those strategic choices were? were what were the correct choices to, that they had to made, make? I don't know. I wasn't involved in the DA at the time. I just, uh, <clears throat> my sense is that the party didn't handle the Ramaphosa period very well. And that, yes, indeed, Musi's leadership was uh, obviously not a success um, and frankly disastrous based on the, the election outcomes. Um, but I think that the strategic objectives of the time um, were not the wrong objectives. The plan to get there was not executed well, was not um, resourced well, uh, and uh, and maybe also tactically wasn't fully the right plan, but the strategic objectives were not the wrong strategic objectives to diversify the party, to grow the party, to become a big party. Um, but, and in the kind of failure to deliver those strategic objectives, the baby's been thrown out of the bathwater in that the strategic objectives have gone, and now the party's trying to be a 20% party. Um, notwithstanding uh, interesting polls on the front page of the report. Do you think they made a strategic uh, mistake in sort of framing their entire argument anti-Zuma? And the moment Zuma was gone, they were, oh, crap, what do we do now? Not quite. I, look, I think, I, I think um, you know, if you go way back when to like 2007, 8, 9, um, you know, they deserve a lot of credit for being early on the Zuma story. I think it was exactly the right thing to do. I think they were maligned a lot at the time. Um, remember, I joined the DA in 2010, so I fully aligned with the party's perspective at that point in time. Um, Jacob Zuma clearly was disastrous. Uh, I, I just think that the, the, the interpretation of the, the kind of 2019 election result um, over-indexed from a DA perspective on the failures of the leadership at the time, right? but also the failures of that plan and didn't, I think, fully take into account the fact that the party didn't manage Sir Lord Ramaphosa very well, um, which, of course, is also uh, failures of the time. Uh, but, you know, Sir Lord Ramaphosa and the ANC got away with absolute murder 
in the run up to the 2019 election campaign in framing this like good ANC, bad ANC thing, this sort of the Zuma ANCs over there, we're here to come clean up. Um, they just allowed that to, to kind of take hold much, much, much too, uh, too effectively, if you ask me. Darby, a, a person like Salim Wing, who has done some numerous interviews on Worldview, he has called, I think, and a lot of people have called for this idea. I think even you have called for this idea on your Twitter feed, um, a sort of an umbrella organization to take on the ANC in 2024, not necessarily a political party, but sort of a unified a, a UDF 2.0 that's going to take on <laughs> the ANC, which every party can align behind. And I think Musi Maimani has mentioned in a recent interview on Worldview, it, a lot of people get sort of messed up on the policies, okay? There's no way you can get every party to agree on the policies. But his point is just get two or three policies. You don't, you, for example, his point was you don't need to get the anti-vaxxers and the vaxxers to agree on something. Forget about that. Get three issues, which every person in South Africa can unite behind and make that your core principle in this new UDF 2.0. What do you think of that sort of idea, a unified organization to take on the ANC in 2024? Um, I have a couple of thoughts. So the one thought I have is that I don't like that idea that much. Um, and what I would very much rather prefer is a large party, um, a large party that actually offers a real alternative. So that begins get annoyed with all of these little parties running around. Um, of course, I've made the point that I think coalition parties holding each other to account is a good thing. I think it is. But I think a lot of people see complexity in it they find annoying. They're used to government being sort of systematic and structured in one party. Um, and so this idea of an umbrella seems quite complicated, I think, for many people. Um, the other thing is I'm also just very worried about such an umbrella's ability to govern if it ever were to get close to it. Um, I mean, it would be really kind of, I think, complex and problematic, right? Um, so so I, I'm not convinced by the idea of uh, an umbrella of let's all contest the political or the election on our own, but we're actually all kind of one party. Um, no, I think it should be one party and, and say to South Africans, this is going to be a, a real big thing. Um, and to create a bit of a change moment and excitement in South Africa to really change the political landscape, I think is what's required. So no, I, I, I very much prefer the idea of a big party um, where you've actually gone and sat down and decided on the policies and decided on the values and decided on the plan. Um, but I recognize that would be extraordinarily difficult. Um, so in the absence of that, I frankly actually quite like the idea of not necessarily an umbrella, but a pledge before the next election, um, a pledge for each political party to pledge not to work with the ANC. Um, so that voters can be very clear and totally concrete in their choice. Is the choice going to be potentially used to prop up the ANC or not? Um, that's, that's my personal perspective. Um, I realize it puts the DA in a difficult position because I can see why they want maybe want to have the back door open to a potential ANC coalition. Um, but I, I honestly think that South Africa would be better served um, in a kind of situation where all of the opposition parties are um, kind of working together in a, in a kind of non-ANC coalition. Frankly, even if the EFF is involved under certain agreed to circumstances where the red lines are very clearly stated and managed, in my view. Davi, a lot of people here, especially here in the Western Cape, they're terrified of an ANC-EFF coalition. So, for example, yeah. if you have that scenario in 2024 where <coughs> the, the DA can... Uh, potentially save us from an ANC EFF coalition by going into a coalition with the ANC. Um, how, how do you explain? Never mind the, the 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 logistics or whether it will actually be beneficial to South Africa. How do you explain that to your voter by saying, "Okay, we had that chance to save you from Julius Malema becoming the deputy president and Roid Shivambo becoming the minister of finance. Uh, we had we had that opportunity to save you from that, and we we." decided, screw that, we're not going to do that. Yeah, look, I mean, I, that's a very valid argument, right? Like, I, I get it. Um, and, and frankly, personally, uh, I would uh, agree with that, frankly. Um, but the, I do think, though, um, at the very least, 
all of the opposition parties should try to endeavor to form something which doesn't have the ANC in it. That's, that's I think, the for me, the most important thing. How you position it or do it or try to arrange it, I think I'm happy to take different views. And I, and I you, maybe a pledge is a bit aggressive because in the worst case scenario, you'd want it to be at the ANC coalition instead of an ANC coalition. Um, but I, I do still think that the best case scenario for South Africa in 2024 is a government in which the ANC is not involved, um, if it is at all possible. And frankly, I think it's unlikely, right, given where the numbers are. Um, but I think it's just worth a try, and it's what the political parties should be uh, driving towards, in my view. Um, so perhaps what you're saying is perhaps you should just not make it public your intention of working with the ANC. I mean, you, you can keep it private, but why is it necessary to say it publicly before the 2024 election, like Ellen Zilla's done? We are open to this, to this idea. You, you don't have to say it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's, it's exactly. It clearly causes political problems as well when she does do it. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, perhaps, I don't know. Once again, it might be a strategic choice that we don't know. Um, someone whispered to her, it's either that or the EFF, and you have to assure the voters you'd rather go with the ANC than the EFF. Perhaps that's the advice she got somewhere. And she. I, I, I think that, the, so the problem with that is, I agree, the outcomes are either an ANC EFF coalition. Don't forget about the ANC minority government situation, which is very possible because I don't think the ANC wants to go with the EFF. Um, yes, indeed, an ANC DA coalition. But it's just, for me, vitally important that the opposition parties, and particularly the DA, considers the possibility of a government without the ANC, right? I think that is possible. I agree it's unlikely, but I think it is possible. And yes, it does require a discussion about how you manage the red lines with the EFF. But if you fundamentally throw out that option, then it basically means you are de facto going to have an ANC government of some kind. And yeah, it would be just fascinating to me to see the right wing of the DA <laughs> going into a coalition with the ANC. It's just going to be the most, like, frankly, amusing thing to observe. Um, and, like, really, really, really dangerous electorally for the DA down the line. Like, I, you know, the, what the 2026 and 2029 election looks like for the DA in a situation with that going into coalition with the ANC in 2024. Who knows? Betrayer. Right? <laughs> Betrayer. <laughs> and what is to come? I mean, just look at the liberal, liberal Democrats, what happened to them in the UK when they went to do a coalition with the Conservative Party. They were destroyed in exactly. the next election. And, and, you know, how much better are the societal outcomes going to be in that situation? I agree. It's better than the counterfactual, which is the ANC-EFF coalition, for sure. But the voter would have never experienced the, the counterfactual. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I would foresee just major, major challenges for the DA in that scenario. So for the DA's own longevity and health, the scenario of a government that doesn't involve the ANC is just dramatically better for everyone involved in my view. Yeah, no, interesting times await. What do you think of um, Zungiso, if, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, Zungiso Zibi, his new, um, yes. the, the idea of him creating a new party. Uh, this now, uh, what, what do you call it, the spokesperson of the Democratic Alliance has also left. He's also entertaining the idea of a formation of a new party. What do you think of all? Well, I mean, two years is a lot of time. I mean, in political, it's 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 ages in political lifespan. I mean, a lot of things can change. In political two. formation language, it's not. So, and, and that's going to be tied to my answer. So, um, look, I think, so I read an article in the Daily Maverick, which I'm not sure how accurate it is or not, but the article claimed that Sungezo Zibi is going to, pull on board Makashule Ghana. I think that we know based on Makashule Ghana's own interviews and, and his, his exit statement said something else. So I think he's going that direction. It also mentioned the Bali and TV. It also mentioned Mitsubishi um, Jonas, um, who's the former ANC, the former ANC Deputy Minister of Finance, um, and a couple of other people who are quite serious. So there's a, a oh, and it mentioned that there was a Buko, um, which is Quite a serious constellation of people, right? So just from that constellation of people, that's quite a serious prospect. I also read Sogezo Zibi's book. I was very impressed by it. I think it's, I mean, 
to an extent, but it was it was like quite interesting, quite compelling, um, quite I think uh, ideologically uh, centrist, and I think kind of would be electorally sensible um, from my perspective. Um, I'm quite impressed by him personally. I think he's quite a smart guy. Um, I see a couple of concerns though. Number one, um, the the time is short, and you know. Name recognition, structure formation, all of the stuff is really, really difficult. It will take time. So actually time is very short and then it's going to move on. Um, secondly, I am impressed by him intellectually. Um, I mean, the discussion until now has been as him as leader of the party. So I'm just assuming it would be. I wonder if he has the right charismatic elements to do it. I think we have to see, right? Let's not judge him before he hasn't given a speech, but like, I think we have to see. Um, and then finally, uh, is just also the um, the kind of already uh, forming perception that they're quite like urban, quite like elite, again, fishing in the same pool as the DA, some minorities, urban areas, not so much out in the sticks, you know, not so much with poor people. You, you have to go into the townships. The, the voters are in the townships. Exactly. You have to get them exactly. somehow. So the question is, will they find a way to get to the townships in mass on time? I'm doubtful, to be perfectly honest. But um, you know, at this point, every everything can help towards 2024. So um, I, yeah, I, I mean, I I'm hopeful, to be perfectly honest, because I think it's another it's another um, arrow in the quiver at this point towards towards flipping ANC voters to the opposition side, um, and and on a generally sensible market platform right i think i think sogezo is um definitely left of the da um and even a little left of actually sa um so but still i think broadly market sensible um this is my assessment of, of where he is ideologically based on reading his book uh you spoke of charisma what do you think of the former chief justice now apparently you're running uh, nobody really knows what's going on there. I mean, all we, all we no, have is this also, 240p video we apparently announced <laughs> is uh, uh, candidacy for the, uh, What do you think of that? I also, I also don't know anything about it, right, other than the 240p video. So, um, so who knows? But what's kind of implied by the gossip, right, the, the parties involved and the people involved is that that's serious business. That is, that is electorally serious business out there in South Africa. Um, so, so let's see. I don't, I don't like. I don't think there's too much to go on at this point. We have to see, uh, but that's that's potentially consequential, um, but probably consequential, but not helpful, right? I don't, I don't see wherever they land um, being helpful to a potential um, a kind of non ANC government of opposition parties. However, they are helpful in that they drag the ANC number down even more potentially, um, and kind of, now the ANC also has to set up a coalition that is quite a few parties if if that thing really gets legs and, and starts going. Yeah, what's interesting to me is this, um, if I understand it correctly, this proposal that under this new party, they will nationalize all land, and that the former <laughs> Chief Justice, Mokwing Mokwing, would be in favor of this. This is, yeah, that's very peculiar. That, that's... Look, I, look, I think we should also be just like, uh, reserve judgment a little bit. Like I'm not uh, a, a defender of Mukwege Mukwege in any way, but like we also only have a 240p video, so let's not judge uh, his, his positions just yet. Hmm. Yeah. Well. Um, yeah, Davi. Thank you so much. I see we're running out of time. Is there any message that you want to leave our viewers before I conclude? Thank, thank you so much for once again appearing on this um, podcast um, company. Um, and for your wise analysis, is there anything you want to leave our viewers with before we conclude? No, thank you very much. Well, thank you, Darby. To our viewers, you most certainly enjoy this content. So please like this video, share it as widely as possible to spread Darby's message and subscribe to our channel. My name is Donald. You've been watching Worldview.